Uh, today we have the honor actually of hearing from my father. I've asked him to uh, preach for us today. He is a corporate chaplain at a company, a business uh, here in Barrow County, and um, he has just been sharing story after story with me of how the Lord is using him on his job to lead people uh, to knowing Jesus, and he is an inspiration to me, my personal hero. Uh, so, Dad, I'm going to invite you to come, Pastor Gary Crawford, and share uh, God's Word with us. Would you help me welcome him with a warm round of applause? When Bronson asked me to uh, speak to you this morning, it was an honor, always a privilege and an honor, and I began to pray and ask God, what was it he really wanted me to say this morning? And so basically in my heart, he, he gave me a sermon, he called it, uh, I'm going to title it, Holding On to Your Faith. I think sometimes we get to this point of faith, and, and in this world as we look around, things get tough. There's always a storm. I heard a preacher say years ago, if you're not in a storm, you're probably just coming out of one or fixing to go into one. It seemed like in life we have these good times revivals, excitement in our lives, babies being born, graduation, college, growing up in their own lives, starting families. We see a lot of things in our life go. Then, but sometimes it's just like when it seems like everything is just going right and everything is just perfect, a big storm blows in. Trees begin to fall down. Fences begin to fall. Issues begin to come up, and it's, it seems to be a hard time in our lives. So when was the last time... This world threw a curveball at you. We all have those moments, you know. Life has a way of doing just that when we least expect it. You know, that's kind of like the old candy camera. They used to come on sometimes, someplace when you least expect it. Bam, you caught on camera. You know, you're always doing something you would probably not have done. You would have done it in a different way if you knew you were being recorded. And uh, it wouldn't have been so great. Jesus promises in, in John 16, that we would suffer many things in this life. He said, you're going to have tribulations. We know we're going to have these things because he already told us. He said they persecuted me. They hung him on a cross. Why do we as Christians, and what is Christian? Christian just means little Christ. So why we who follow Jesus, who are disciples of Christ, why should we think our lives would be any better? All through Scripture, I see Israel over and over and over. When I finally got saved and began to walk my life for the Lord, I began to read and uh, God reminded me that when I was 15, he called me to preach, and I was that problem child that was out there doing all of this stuff, I think running from my calling. But as I began to read Scripture, I began to see over and over and over Israel, who, how God would bless them so much. And in 40 to 60 to 70 years, they would always get all of these blessings in their life, and they would kind of drift away from God. Just like you just get caught up in life. You get caught up in the day. You get caught up in the moment. Everything's going great, and we're just doing our stuff. You know, our business is going good. Our families are going good. And soon they just kind of drifted away from God. And God would have to come in and send some little small country to take over them and to bring them back to normal, to kind of wake them up. And I continue to ask God, why, why God, when they had your blessing and you were so good to them, why would they drift like that? And he began to show me even our own country that we live in, how we were the blessed nation in the world. I think we've been blessed because we, we, we were, Scripture says that those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse them will be cursed. And I think America has fallen along as an ally with them so long. I think that God's blessing has overflowed from that to this. So basically, we're going to have these storms that come at us. But there are some encouraging words that Jesus also gave us. How, you know, 
But in the midst of these storms, I think there's this one question that always gets asked. Why God? Or, or why me, God? Or, or why now, God? Why? And uh, I think why is probably the most asked question and also the most unanswered question that there is. I don't know how many times I ask God. So did you ever wonder? Let's just look at some things that people kind of just go some things. Just kind of just throw some things out. Did you ever wonder why you tell somebody there's 400 billion stars in the universe? They'll look at it and believe it. And say, hey, that, 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 oh, I forgot to tell you that table right there just got painted. And you'll have to touch it. It's, <laughs> he's a painter. He knows. Just painted a rail. Be careful. <laughs> we always have to look. It's always that thing. Why do we call, we're going to have hamburgers. And all, why do we call them hamburgers when they're made out of beef? You ever thought about that? Why do we put suits in garment bags and garments in suitcases? Why? Why, did, why would two airplanes have a near miss? They call it a near miss, or when they have, almost have a collision, they call it a near miss. Why don't they call it a near collision? Well, you know, why do we do these questions, you know? If the black box in those planes, which are really orange, they say, if the black box is always unharmed in the flights, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box material? <laughs> it would solve a lot of problems and a lot of accidents and a lot of deaths, you know. But I got one more I'll leave with you about a little kindergarten story. You know, Jesus says from the mouths of babes, there was a kindergarten class that took a field trip to the police station. And on that field trip, one of the officers was showing them all of these pictures of all the criminals and all the bad guys. And so one of the little kindergartens asked him, said, uh, well, those are scary-looking people. He goes, yeah, we, we, we really wanted to make them look bad because they're really bad people. And the kindergartner thought about it for a minute. She said, well, if they're bad people and you're trying to catch them, why, when you took their picture, why didn't you just lock them up then? Why? They don't understand the little stories like that. The policeman probably didn't have a good answer for that, you know. But, hey, it's there. So these are many funny things. Why? A lot of funny questions were asked, but, but more than that, there's, there's a lot of questions in our lives that aren't really funny in life. Like the six-year-old child who asked her mommy, Mommy, why did Daddy leave us? Is he ever coming back? That's not too funny, was it? Or the single person who's always asking God, Why, 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 why am I single, God? Why me? Why, why do I have to go around without a mate? Everybody else has got somebody. Why me, God? Why don't you send me somebody? Or the man or woman who says, Why, God? Why did you allow me to be physically abused when I was a child and I couldn't defend myself when I was little? What are your whys and what are your questions today for God? See, over the past few weeks, I think God has a sense of humor because I've been asking God why for the last several weeks, probably maybe a few months. So when I asked him what did he want me to speak about today, he gave me the title, Hold On To Your Faith. The old saying, we see it a lot of times, you know, tie a knot in it, hold on, life's going to get better, you know, hold on to that knot, you don't slip off the knot's holding you. But I've been asking God, why? I've been asking God, why is it that Synergy Church hasn't grown larger, larger since we've been going? Or better than that, God, why are we smaller now than we were? Why? I want to know. I don't think it's rude to ask God questions that you don't have the answers to. I think sometimes he says you have not because you ask not. I think sometimes I don't get the answers because I don't ask the questions. I study the word. I pray. 
Could I do more? Yeah. But my questions continue. He really, he really ministered to me in a lot of good ways, but he kind of whooped me up at the same time, you know? I asked God, weren't we called to plant this church, God? Didn't you call us? Didn't you call our pastor to come to Winder, Georgia and plant a church? And many of us felt the calling and joined. Thus, synergy was born. But sometimes those unexpected questions come back. And that was what God told me. Where's your faith? And the first thing that really popped in my mind, oh, you have little faith, you know. All through the Bible, God began to just flood my mind with all kinds of stories of people who had great faith. And they went through storms. But all the ones that he reminded me of that went through those great storms ended up doing great things for him. Because, see, I realized a long time ago when God talks in Scripture about the path, most of the time it's a word that means a meandering path. And that word meandering has a connotation of like we in America who, who like to hike and go to the mountains, we have what we call switchbacks. If we just tried to climb straight up the mountain, we'd wear out in no time. But the switchbacks, you kind of walk up the hill at a, at a glance, and then you switch, and you angle back to the other side. You angle back and forth until you get to the top of the mountain. And I think God has each of our lives, however our calling is, on this meandering path. Because, see, he can give us a call, and he can give us a goal, but most of the time we're not prepared for that call. Most of the time, we haven't learned what we need to learn in life. See, we can study, we can quote the scriptures, we can learn the language and quote it and speak it and write it. But that doesn't make us prepared like some of the authors who have translated the Bible. There's a lot that you have to do in translation. So God sends us on this meandering path with a calling. He reminded me, after the years of me running in my life, being messed up, and most of you have heard my testimony, he reminded me at 15 to call me to preach, and I started on that path. But he has taken me to many different people in many different places, teaching me along with the Word and the Holy Spirit and the ministering angels, teaching me things that he wanted me to know so that I could come to this calling here in Winder, in Barrow County, and help plant a church. Where is your faith, he said. How do we handle the curveball? See, that's a curveball to me. I'm asking God, and I'm being truthful. But see, God don't play fair because he knows everything. But he always loves me. He always guides me. He always teaches me. He just asks me a simple question. Don't, don't, don't they say it's rude to answer a question with a question? I think God's the one that set this question there up because every time we ask questions, most of the time he asks us the one back because it makes us stop and think of reality. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and, and, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Or in some versions, it says, faith comes from hearing the word, and in the word, we, 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 we do it, you know. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17, let's take a look at that. Because God gave me a, three things that he wants us to do. Three things to help answer my question. Why? There's three things that we can do in your lives when the storm comes. 
And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What did he say? Rejoice always. Pray always. Give thanks. In all circumstances, I'm like, well, that's easy for you to say because you're God. You don't have no storms. It reminded me he had me, and that was enough, you know, to cause him a lot of confusion and a lot of stuff. Really not God don't get confused, but you know how it is. You've got children. You know how it is. We love our kids, but sometimes they have to be taught and learn, and they make mistakes just like us, and God is so faithful to us to love us and guide us and direct us. These are the three things. When our world is turned upside down, when the unexpected comes along and the tragedy knocks at our door, which it always does from time to time, God gives us three things that we can do. Number one, what did he say in 1 Thessalonians there? Rejoice always. The word rejoice means to be joyful. Okay, we're in a storm. We're supposed to be joyful? Really? You know what our problem is most of the time? Our problem is based on our happiness on all kinds of worldly things. See, our mind usually get focused in that storm, it, kind of like the children of Israel talked about. They were blessed by God, and then they would drift away and forget about God. It's like, I don't need you, God, because I got everything I need. And they forgot where they got that blessing from. So our mind usually when in a storm have drifted away from God instead of going straight to God and just rejoice. Oh, we're supposed to rejoice when bad things happen? No, not a quiet we got to show the world that we can be joyful in the middle of our attacks. If we're different, right? We're Christians. We have Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has given us. He is able. There's nothing they can't do. I remember when God looked on the Tower of Babel as they were trying to build that. He said, hey, let us go down there. They're all in one mind and one accord. And if we don't stop them, there's nothing they can't do. And I wonder, as the church... If we could all get in one mind and one accord, there would be nothing we couldn't do in Christ. Nothing. If things are going well in your life today, then we're rejoicing. But when the world is shaking, we worry, we get scared, we lose our joy, right? That's the first thing Satan attacks us with. What is John 10, 10? The devil coming out about to steal, kill, and destroy. First thing he wants to do is steal your joy. Why? So you can't rejoice. So you can't pull yourself to that throne of God. We start worrying. We get scared. We do everything we're not supposed to do. Satan simply plays on our emotions and steals our joy. That's all he ever does. So when we become worldly-minded, we lose our joy because we lose our eternal perspective. we got to stay focused, focused on the cross. And everything else just kind of falls away in the side. we got to let God move us. I'm not saying that we got to walk on sunshine every day. Ah, you know, I just lost this or this, that. I just wrecked my car. My house burnt down last night. Ah, you know, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't think that's what he's saying. But who is our joy coming from? If we can keep Christ in the forethought of our mind instead of what we're looking at, what the disaster is, what the problem is, what the storm is, then we can rejoice always. I honestly think that we be able to rejoice always in the midst of trials and suffering. That when we do that, it confuses the daylights out of the enemy. He don't understand, wait a minute, we just kicked him in the teeth. We slammed him with a bat in the gut. We kicked him down. We stomped on him. 
And they're still rejoicing. They're still praising the Lord. I don't. They're confused. Because why? We're not acting normal. Because we're not normal. We are not normal. We have Christ inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives in us as Christians. So when we lift up our praise to the Lord, we continue to do so. The enemy becomes confused and he begins to run. It messes him up. Number two, pray always. Rejoice always. Number two, we got to pray always. I like to pray. I like to, I like to in my business, man, I've got, I got sheets and sheets and sheets of prayer lists. It takes, usually on Fridays, I pray for everybody in my company. And I've got a picture of every one of them. And I go through my list. And with them, I've got a list of storms, sicknesses, deaths, finances, relationships, divorce, all kinds of stuff. And I go through those. I pray for those main lists as much as I can during the weeks as I travel and stuff. When I'm in the office, I get that list out. And all those people, I begin to lift them up one by one to the God. When I'm through with that, I lift them, me and my wife, to God. Because just like everybody else, we have issues that we have to bring before the throne too. And he, he loves us to bring them there. So when we, Philip's translation says in Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's a good translation. That Don't worry about anything. What's the old song that used to be out there? Don't worry, be happy. It used to be out there a few years ago. If we could take that attitude, I think the Christian family, the, it would be great. God would be so excited. The enemy would be fleeing from us instead of running to us. It's amazing that, that often when something heavy is weighing on us, we just carry it around for days, weeks, sometimes even months. And then we think, why God? And it's like, Oh, you want to talk to me now? I've been waiting for you. I've had your answer. I was ready to dispatch ministering angels. I had a whole lot of stuff lined up right here. And then scripture comes to my mind. We have not because we ask not. Unlimited resources. We don't see God for those resources sometimes. It's, it's easier just to water in my mud, you know, just to whine and cry. So then as we pray, the Holy Spirit ministers to us and he takes our burdens. You know what? God doesn't want us to carry all that heaviness around. He don't want us to carry all that sadness around. That's his job. Then he say, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My burden is light and easy. Take my yoke upon you. He gives us so much. If we would just remember the things that we read instead of this, 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 this. oh, yeah, I read a chapter today. <laughs> yeah, but I'm ready for life now. And then we so much, it fades right out to the other side and it's this or this or, you know, whatever. Whatever our sport is, whatever our hobby is, whatever our deal is. We don't let it register in. When we through prayer release our burden to God, his peace begins to replace our anxieties, okay? We don't see the visible change taking place maybe yet. But they are beginning God's beginning to blow the storm out. We just don't recognize it. So we rejoice always. We pray always. And the third thing is we give thanks always. Do we always thank God for our food every night in our house? We do. Since my boys have been little, when I grew up, we did. We always gave thanks at the restaurant. Oh, we're at the restaurant. We, uh, <clears throat> you know, we'll do it tomorrow, folks, at home. You know. We give thanks everywhere. I'm not ashamed. 
You'd be surprised how many people recognize that those are Christians. And you know what? There's something different about them. Because they're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give thanks always. It's easy to give thanks when blessings are good and, and the money's rolling in, right? Everything is fine. When life is good and I'm enjoying God's blessings, well, what happens when I lose my job? When a loved one is suffering, like my wife's sister has cancer, turned over to the hospice, everything was good a while back. I didn't expect that. What happens when that tragic accident shows up, when that marriage fails, when we're persecuted and, and mistreated at work? Giving thanks to God in troubled times isn't quite as easy to give, is it? It isn't, really isn't. Let's be honest. Y'all looking gloom. I'm trying to get us up to this point. There's hope. God's got a plan for us. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be in shock. We don't have to be like a deer in the hell out. Which way to go? You know, when that car comes in, that deer's like, you don't know which way to go because <laughs> that's the way I feel sometimes. I don't know how to move. God, we freeze, don't we? We're scared and we freeze. But God didn't put that spirit in us. So, first of all, God's not the author of confusion, right? He's not the one that brings sickness on us. He allows things to happen sometimes when we step out of his will. He allows the enemy to attack us like he did Job. But he knows that it's going to make us stronger through it. But God doesn't bring sickness in our life unless, unless there's something you're so far out. He's trying to bring judgment to bring you home. But Satan is that one. Satan's the one that brings sickness and disease to, to the people of God. We've got to remember it. Satan is the author of evil and destructive things. That's who he is. So, however, we can be thankful always. We can be thankful always because why? The gift of salvation through Jesus Christ has been ours free. He took it on a cross, on an old rugged cross, so that we can live. He, he left perfection to come to a, a sinful, messed up world for you and for me because he loves us, because he has a plan for your life. I speak to guys all the time at work. I'm trying to help them through stuff, and they'll be like, you, 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 you don't understand. You're a preacher. I start laughing sometimes. I don't mean to, but it's like, it's funny. You, you think the preachers don't get attacked? You think the preacher don't want me to have an affair? You, you think the preacher don't, the devil don't want the preacher to have a car wreck? You don't think that, what? He, if he wants to destroy the church, he's going to attack your pastor. We hear it on every day. Just a few weeks ago, heard about one of the great pastors that I like. He's funny. He's, 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 he's got a huge church. What, what's going on? Things, things happen because we lose perspective. We get that worldly view in our lives sometimes. We forget who God really is and what God really wants. And sometimes I tell God, look, let me ask you a question. You're going through all this. You're this, this, this. Have you ever thought about maybe this is how you should have went in your life? And this is what God says. And that's when they say, well, you're a pastor, you know. I didn't always used to be a pastor. That's why I laughed. Let me tell you about me. If you've been in our church, they, they, they know my testimony. I was the wild child. And I'll tell them about my story, and they're like, they're the deer here. like, whoa. You, I wish I had never done that stuff. But I did because I, I lost perspective. But see, I was on that meandering path. God knew what I needed to do. He knew where he was going to put me. I, I, I never thought I was going to be a pastor to a bunch of uh, construction workers who don't know God, who never been to church. It, it blows my mind how many people never, never in their whole life have been to church. They don't have no rules in their life. Everything goes. 
They're rejoicing in everything. Until that storm finally catches up with them, they go to jail. Or their wife is gone. Or their kid's sick. They don't have God in their life. But I love it that the man that owns my company was convicted in his heart enough that God told me to put a pastor on. And I never thought I would be pastoring in a secular world. But it brings me so much joy to see how, how those guys get through. Okay? Brought us, God's brought us through the past, and he promises he'll bring us through again. We can thank him for the fact that our happiness is based on the hope that we have in him, the salvation we have in him, the hope we have in him. Therefore, we can rejoice and be thankful all the time, right? So, our plan was to rejoice always right, pray always, and be thankful always. But I want to warn you about one thing about that. This thing can work in reverse. Sometimes when things come our way, we get mad at God. I've seen people who have lost their child, and it's like, why did God take my child? I've been going to church. I've been serving him. I've been doing this. Why me? Why? Why? And usually when I come across people that's lost a child, especially a young one, two things happen. They either grow close to God really tight, or their life disintegrates. They end up being divorced. They blame everything on everybody else. They hate God, and they walk away, and their life becomes a disaster. They walk off the meandering path that God has them on to teach them something. I don't know why God allowed that stuff to happen. But I know if you draw close to God, because I know some people have, and I know that two weeks ago when I got a phone call that this man's daughter was in a car wreck. She was in the hospital for two weeks. She came home for two days. They rushed her. He got a call at work. Get to the hospital. It's not good. A blood clot. He left her leg, went to her heart, and he killed her before she made it back to the hospital in the ambulance. He was tore up. Luckily, he told me he was a Christian. He was a new guy. First time I'd met him. And he's pulling in the guy. Yeah, he's tore up. He's crying like a baby. I cried with him. I hugged him. We cried together. But see, God was just hugging both of us. I didn't know what to say. I never lost a child. I don't know how he feels. I know it'd be bad. I don't even want to imagine it. I don't even want to think about it. But how do you get through that? See, he could have had this attitude of, well, if that's the way God's going to do it, he could sell up and see this thing all works in reverse. When you turn your back on God and you begin to go out back into the world, things go in reverse. God allows things in your life for a reason. It's to help you. It's to grow you stronger. It's to make you a witness for him. It's to make you do things that you... To be honest with you, if you'd have told me 30 years ago I'd be standing up here talking to somebody, I'd... I wouldn't even laugh because I, I wouldn't even been around you to talk. I was an introverted person. My wife tells you, you never used to talk. Now you never shut up. I don't have a lot to say, but if you get me talking about God, I, I can't shut up. It's in me. It just comes. It bubbles. I want to share it. My boys are left. I don't keep up with sports no more. Men can't just do our thing. I, I, I can't talk to you about sports a lot. I don't keep up with it. But if you want to talk about God... We're going to have some fun because I can tell you some stories and some stuff. And I love the Bible. And then old scripture stuff, it's amazing. So just remember that things can go backwards too. Okay? The keys to over, uh, basically when we go that way, when we fall backwards and do it in reverse, quit, quit praising God, quit, quit praying and, and quit rejoicing, quit giving thanks, everything goes reverse way. Basically what we're doing is we just say, here, 
Here's the keys to heaven. I'm tired of them. Here, you have them. Satan takes your keys, and it just, he just mocks you and laughs at you and destroys your life. We've got to walk away from that, okay? There's one story in Scripture that I, I want to talk to you about this morning, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were two great guys. They were, they were preaching for God. Basically, they were, they were having revival. They had this spring revival going on. There was people getting saved. There was people getting healed. Their eyes were being opened. All kinds of miracles were happening. And all of a sudden, this, this lady, I was going to read the scripture. I'm just going to tell you this story because we're, we're getting close on time. They were having all this revival. And all of a sudden, this one lady kept coming up. She could read palms and she could do this. Stuff. And, and she, kept, she kept speaking out. These are people who are Christ. These are followers of Jesus. These are apostles. These, these are the sons of God. She was calling them all these great names. And they said, look. We're just apostles. We're not Jesus. We're not nothing. We're nothing. We're nobody. But we serve the one who is somebody. And she kept on. He finally got tired and he just rebuked the devil and it left her. And these men who had used her for all their money, she was going around. They owned her. She was their slave. So she was doing all this stuff, telling these palm They were getting rich. They got mad. So they went and complained to the magistrate. Hey, Mr. Uh, magistrate, this, this people in here that took our money away from us. They locked them up. They beat them. Black and blue, they whipped them. They stripped them naked. They threw them in jail, put them in maximum security. They chained them, scripture says, their legs and their, their feet. They were sitting in there. Now, Paul and Silas could have said, God, what were you thinking? Why? We had this revival going. People were getting saved, God. It don't even make sense. What are you doing? But no, they didn't go in reverse. You know what they did? It said at the midnight hour, they just begin to lift up and sing praises unto God. They begin to sing and glorify and raise up the name of Jesus. And what happened? An earthquake came and shook the whole place, busted the sails open, broke off the, the shackles that had her hands and her feet. And they just stood up and said, "Woo! okay, thank you, God. We got an audience right here that we couldn't get to the table before. You know what? You put us right in the middle of the lion's den. You know what? And you shut their mouth. Those guys were so scared. The jailer, in those times, if you were, you were over to... Uh, prisoners and you lost a prisoner when they did their investigation first thing they did was cut your throat dropped you on the floor you were dead because it was, you were in charge the jailer's like got his sword and he's fixing to kill himself and Paul said oh whoa dude wait don't kill yourself ain't nobody left we're all here come on back here we got something to share with you they begin to share the gospel what happened that night people got saved the jailer got saved his whole family got saved and they were baptized right there Ain't that awesome? Why, God? Right, because I got some people right there I can't get to church, so I'm going to put you in the middle of them. That's why. So the next morning they come in and found out, hey, what's going on here? All these doors are broken. All the, all the walls are down. And they realized that we made a mistake. We better take these two guys. They're Roman citizens. Ooh, if, they, if they find out what we did to these guys, a Roman citizen, we should have checked them out first. They said, hey, go on. So they were in jail for a night, had a revival, and then went right back out to doing what they were doing. Stepped right back out on the path, began to share the gospel. Was everything easy for them? No. We go through all the apostles. They took, they took some very, very hard things. So let me skip right here. We're about out of time. I'm going to slip to this end right here. So. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Can we remember that? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks always. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Re they say if you say it three times, you remember somebody's name when you made them. I'm terrible with names. Y'all forgive me if I say. Uh, tell me one more time. 
I want to say it over again. Rejoice, pray, give thanks always. When the storm comes, rejoice, pray, give thanks. Okay? Can we do that? Then let me ask you a question. I know there's people here today who's gone through things in their life. I would love to pray for you. I would love to ask God to send those ministers and angels for the Holy Spirit to come down and begin to just, just to overshadow you, begin to minister you and help you and guide you and direct you. I would love to pray for you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and pray and close this thing out. And I'm going to be right up here. And if you've got something going on in your life and you would love for God to help you, if you've got that why God, why God going on, I would love to have you come up here and let me pray for you before you leave today. And I, I would, it would be my honor. And I would I very much enjoy that. So let me pray. And if you will, stick around. We're going to have some hamburgers and refreshments in a little bit. You're all invited to stay. We'd love to fellowship with you and get you to know you better. So if you will, let's, let's bow our heads and let's just go to the Lord and just ask him just a minute to just bless us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before your throne. We bow before you, Father, and worship unto you, Father. I just pray that you would just begin to minister to Synergy Church, Father, because what I haven't told them yet was, Father, when I were asking you why, why, why was Synergy where we are right now, that God spoke to me and told me that he has big plans. I don't understand, Father, why there were some who attacked us, and Father, and people left, and some, some Father, have moved out of town, and you brought people to help, and then you moved people to other places. So I don't understand none of that, Father. But one thing I know that we've been called. I know that I've been called here, Father. I know that others have answered the call, Father. And your word says many are called, but few are chosen, Father. But, 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 but I know, Father, that the ones who were chosen are the ones who answered the call, Lord. So for those of us who have answered the call, Father, keep that fire burning in our hearts, Father. Let the Holy Spirit stoke our hearts, Father, with a fire from on high, Father, that this burns in us, Father, like the prophet says, Father, there's, there's a fire shut up in my bones, Father. We, we want to be something in this community, Father, that brings people to Jesus Christ, Father. We want to minister in this community, Father. But, Lord, I know there's some people who have storms raging in their hearts, Father, maybe in a marriage, Father, maybe in a child, maybe at work, Father. I don't know what, what it is, Father. But I know if they're not in one now, Father, they will be one at some time in their life, Father. So I pray, Father, you just help us through our storms. Help us keep not a worldly perspective, Father, but help us keep a heavenly mind, Father. Father, I know that you're grateful and glad that when we come as your children and ask you why, because, Father, you have answers for us. Because you encourage us, Father. I pray that today that we would hold on to our faith, Father. We will trust you for the calling of your word, Father. When you call us out and give us ministry, Father, when you order our steps and put us, Father, you have a purpose for all of our lives. As a Christian, Father, the number one thing is to share you. All we have to do is go smile and treat people right, and they'll ask us why. And we can say, because Jesus Christ changed my life. Mind if I share it with you? So, Father, in all your glory and all your splendor, Father, we adore you and we exalt you and we lift you up and magnify you. And we give you thanks right now, Father, for the many blessings that you're sending throughout these people right now, Father. They're here, Father, in the heat. But, Father, I pray that in their heart there's a fire that begins to burn right now, Father. A passion for the calling that you call them to, Father. And, and that passion and that calling has brought people together here for, for this Synergy Church, Father. Because it takes all people with all talents 
to be able to reach out in a community like this, Father, and, and to feel this harvest. It's, it's wide in the harvest, Father. There's, it's ready. It's ripe, Father. The time, I think, I think in history right now, Father, but Father, I'll know one thing. When you call us, this is the thing. I want to close right here, Father, but I want to remind these people. God told me that he always has a timing. When he has a plan for your life and he has a, a plan for a church, he also has a timing. He, he has to bring this meandering path in our life so that we can come together in one mind and one accord. And then when that timing is right, when he has ordained it, then he's going to bless it and send it out like you've never seen before. Thank you, Lord, that you're ministering to families, you're ministering to individuals. Thank you for those, Father, who have been here today. Minister to us in worship and song and music, Father. Bless them and their families. Bless this church and bless each one here today. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.